Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks for joining me. As always, I appreciate it. This week, I am speaking with another traveler, but different than most that I've spoken to where she is a van lifer. I guess that's the, that's the term now that a lot of us know, but uh, she's done most of her traveling. She has done overseas trips as well, but most of her traveling has been done by, uh, by van. She's, she has built a couple different vans now that she's lived in. Uh, you know, sprinter vans and uh, and those kind of those, I, I don't know whether you would call them cargo vans or utility vans, but the ones that have, uh, you know, a sliding door and, and uh, a big back area that some companies use for delivery. Uh, there's a, a culture out there now that are, are converting them and, and making them small, you know, super small homes and, and traveling across the, the country and you know staying in national parks on public land and just you know experiencing things that's that's all i can say it was really really fascinating to speak with her we talk about what inspired her to you know take this this journey and now a lifestyle she's been doing it more than five years now how it turned into just a a one-year journey to to see the country into you know five years and now this is her life she's works remotely she travels pretty much full time uh we're going to talk a lot about you know the the highs and lows of uh, living in in a van the uh you know some of the the surprising parts of it how uh, she built her van we're also going to talk uh about mental health there was a really fascinating conversation there where she's kind of she's traveled with partners before she's traveled solo and those offer you know Pluses and minuses both, but uh, she she does have a really candid, real conversation that I appreciate talking about mental health and some of her struggles uh, throughout her life with that and how um, you know this lifestyle that she has now has uh, has really helped her in uh, her journey and uh, some of the things she has found uh, beneficial there. So really, really think you're going to enjoy this, whether you like to just hear a story about someone who's doing something you may not be able to uh, to do, and that's go and, and uh, travel and, and live in a van full-time. Maybe it's something you're interested in getting involved in, and you want to hear somebody who's been doing it for a significant amount of time, or uh, you know, maybe you just like a good story. It is all of those things, um, not, to, not to mention the you know, the, the mental health aspect too, which she, she says some really, really awesome stuff and uh, some really impactful things there too. So uh, I think you're going to enjoy this one. Here is my interview with Katie Larson. I'm here today with Katie Larson. Katie, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So before we get into to what we're going to talk to you about, which is obviously van life, in your own words, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I am a uh, self-employed. I, I do a freelance self-employed business work on the road. Um, I travel full time and have been in a van for five years now. I grew up around the Portland, Oregon area and uh, spent some time in Seattle, spent some time uh, overseas abroad, graduated from college in Oregon, and then 
continued on to just kind of work for a little bit and eventually just transition into full-time travel. So um, yeah, I'm a traveler, a writer, uh, I do social media, um, blog content management, kind of jack of all trades to make, uh, have a lot of uh, income revenue streams. Yeah, that's, I think that's important with, we definitely, when you're kind of a, a, not just a solo traveler, but when you're kind of self-employed to diversify, to, to have a lot of different, a lot of different things going on. Cause when one goes away, that's so many people, I feel like that they, they do this whole, you know, off the grid thing. They, you know, are self self-employed and then they just have one thing. And when that dries up, people are like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? So I think that's really cool for sure. So I know that you, um, you're in Oregon. Um, you said that you're from Oregon, just from your background. I don't think you're in a van right now. So where, where are we finding you today? So I am uh, at my parents' house for the day. My van is in the driveway, but um, I still am in the van full time. I just am here uh, hanging out with my sister and uh, letting our dogs play to us. Well, I usually come back to Oregon around this time of year to do like medical, dental, kind of renew any paperwork, insurance, kind of get everything on my to-do list done for the year before I uh, head back out after the holidays. So, no, that makes some that makes some sense. So let's kind of start at the beginning of your your van journey. Tell us a little bit about, I guess, what what uh, what made you decide, hey, that's that's something I want to do, and a little bit about, I guess, that first uh, van build. Yeah. So um, I was working a corporate job after college in Portland, Oregon. Um, I was dating somebody at the time, and uh, I had just gotten back from about a year of traveling abroad. Uh, did an internship in South Africa, did a couple months in Europe, was really starting to catch the travel bug. You know, I think like a lot of people, it's transitioning a little bit now, but for the most part, you know, you're told you do this track of step-by-step things that you check boxes by a certain age of, you know, going to college, get a job, settle down, all that stuff. So um, I was kind of on that track. And then this person I was dating uh, kind of introduced the idea to me pretty early on in our relationship and was like, I really want to do this sometime. Is it something you'd be interested in? Um, and I was kind of swimming in debt from college. And so I said, okay, let me move in with my parents, like get a beater junk car, work a corporate job, save up money and pay off loans for a year. And then let's talk about it. So I did that. And uh, we decided to start looking for vans, which was about a six month process. Um, we originally wanted to do a used van, hoping it would be a little bit more attainable with uh, pricing and all of that. But uh, we kind of after crunchy numbers decided to um, to get a new van that was reliable. And our goal was just to build it out, travel in it for a year and then sell it to make all of our money back. And it was just kind of going to be this, this chapter of um, kind of like a gap year. So we did that the build took about six months working on it while both working full time jobs. So it was a lot of like late nights, headlamps, waking up early on Saturday and Sunday working all day into the night. Um, and then we, so we bought the van in October of 2016 and we hit the road in June of 2017. So we each saved up $10,000 to live off for the year. The goal was to just do that, sell the van and then kind of go on our merry little way. But, um, throughout that, that year we were unemployed and I kind of started looking into freelance and remote work. Um, I really started to fall in love with the concept of van life. Um, and at the end of the year, he was uh, ready to be done and I was not. So um, I bought out his half of the van and I just kind of continued on my journey. No, that's, that's cool. I want to, I want to get more into that journey, but um, mm-hmm. 
what what made you decide that hey I, I we want to to build our own van I guess maybe customize it to what we want um, and is it even a thing that that there's you know those ready made vans that are, are already built I don't even know yeah um people have been living in vans since you know forever you know there's people in the 70s there's V Dubs there's a whole bunch of people that have been doing this for like a super long time but uh, right now it's really kind of blowing up in the media it's it's more common you know you can kind of say the term van life and people might not fully understand what you mean but they've probably heard of one or two people that have done it before but you know five years ago I only happened to know one person that lived in a van and it was just because randomly enough she was a girl in the van life community that I went to high school on uh, high school with um but it wasn't like I didn't know that there was van life gatherings or that there was kind of this like online and in-person community of people that kind of do this so we wanted to always do a DIY build. Um, and I still am really passionate about that. I mean, we'll get into this later, but I now have a different van, which I also did a DIY build on. There's pros and cons, I think, to doing a professional build versus your own. I mean, doing it on your own, you'll have to have either some sort of skills or being really, really willing to do a lot of research. You have to have the space to do it, the time to do it, the tools to do it, all things that kind of have to perfectly align and quite frankly usually requires a lot of favors of people like you know can I park my van in your driveway and build and run power tools all the time or helping certain people a lot of people will hire out like electrical but then do the rest of it themselves so that was really important to to us to um, really have it be something that we wanted uh, bigger companies or conversion companies do that and Portland is a really good place to do that because there's so many here like if you drive around, you just see converted vans everywhere. The thing with that is that you really have to have the funds to do that. Um, it's a little bit easier to get financing for that because a lot of times a bank will give you a loan for a professional conversion, but it's harder to get a loan to buy materials for yourself. You usually have to get a personal loan for that on top of an auto loan, unless once again, you have all the money. There was, and even now worse, a really long wait list for professional conversion. So a lot of the places are a year at least to wait get the vehicle um even if you're buying new off the lot a lot of places and companies are just buying up vans transits sprinters um promasters so you usually have a wait on the vehicle and then you have a wait from the person or the the company that's going to actually build out for for you yeah and i feel like i'm sure you're cursing yourself sometimes outside with those headlamps trying to convert it but afterwards i'm sure that it's it's just a little bit more special to know that you've kind of done it yourself. And, and that's then what you're, you're living in. I, you know, people build their own homes and I feel like they, they talk about, you know, I built this for the next 30 years. So I'm sure that it's a, it's a more special thing when you've done it yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's super challenging. And after the first one, I swear I was never going to do it again. And now I swear I'm never going to do it again. I mean, it's, it's probably one of the hardest things I've ever done and it takes a lot of patience and time and money and, um, it's, it's just, it's a lot of work. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's worth it to, to really have something custom at such a small space to have something that's really livable for you, especially if you're doing full time. Um, that was just always really important to me the first round and now the second round. I guess I, when I was looking at, you know, more, more van things and, and more, because people are, people are converting ambulances and old army mm-hmm. vehicles and all kinds of stuff. I feel like this may be a thing for more when you've got this ginormous army vehicle because it's cute to name it, but have you named your vans? I haven't, you know, most people have, and mm. I just never, it never, nothing stuck. Nothing ever really called out to me. And, and, 
things have just changed so much in the last five years, the way I've traveled, who I've traveled with, how I've traveled. So I just, uh, yeah, I mean, I think really the only thing is kind of like the Instagram handle that started as like a way to update my parents and grandparents, you know, that mm. kind of the, so we bought a van is really the only thing that's carried its way through all five years. Yeah. And that's, I, I was going to ask you about that. I mean, what made you decide to, to start that handle? Was it simply to, to update family or was it something that you knew at the time that, Hey, I wanted to take more people along on this journey or, or how did that work? Um, definitely never thought of it as like work or a job or a business. It really did start out like if you go back with really old blog posts on my website, it's written like a personal journal because it's like, I went to New Orleans for the first time. And instead of telling my friends and family the same stories over and over again, I was like, I can do photos. I love writing. It's just kind of a way to update people. And then um, the Instagram really was, you know, for the build, like showing all the tiny details to once again, people within personal community of like, this is the wood we're using. This is how we did the electrical. And then over time, especially once we got on the road, um, things just kind of shifted and there was more interest. And now I really use kind of those platforms as more of a, a resource um, to provide, you know, van life resources, build resources, um, tips and things that I've learned over the years about either building a van or living on the road, living in a vehicle, living small, all of those things. So it's really kind of just kind of grown into things <laughs> like no intention really behind it. I think it just kind of happened. And I was like, okay, we can run with this. Yeah. I feel like that's probably what made you successful. I feel like the, the people who are, are thinking I'm going to make this an Instagram thing. They don't last all that long. I, I, yeah. I, uh, I read somewhere, which this is, we're going to talk about the highs and lows here in a little bit, but <laughs> this was kind of funny and grotesque at the same time they somebody was saying that you know the instagram models don't last very long because you being in van life you have to deal with your own shit both figuratively and literally and people don't do well with that <laughs> yes it is very true it's it's small space there's a lot of alone time there's a lot of mindless driving so um both within yeah yourself and the the fact that you know you're you're living in a small space. You don't have, you might have running water in your sink or something, but it's not like you have pipes that give you constant resources. So bathroom dishes, all of that stuff is just um, like most people have like a chore day. Otherwise you're kind of always doing chores. Uh, so it just, it does take a lot of effort and intention and um, yeah, it's, it's great, but it, it also, it is, it's work, you know, it's, it, you have to work really hard to live small, not only small, but also to live uh, in a mobile tiny home. Yeah. So what made you decide this is, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of travelers, whether they're backpackers, whether they're people that you know travel more in luxury and, and fly and stay at hotels. What made you decide, you know, you you had this quest and, and, and want to travel, but what made you decide that van was was something you wanted to do? I know in the very beginning that it was a, a significant other that, that uh, kind of gave you the ideal, but that's that's a long time ago. You could have got out of it and been a backpacker. So what made you decide, Hey, this is, this is the route I want to go with my travels. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, after I went abroad, um, I think that was like 2013, maybe. Um, I, like I said, I lived in South Africa for a chunk of time. And then I did the backpacking thing around Europe and visited like 12 countries or something over, over a couple months. And I, I think one of the things that really encouraged me to say yes to the van was when I was abroad, everyone was like, where should I go? If I go to the States, like, what do you recommend? And I was like, 
I've been to like a few states. I don't know that much. I hadn't really been to very many national parks. I wasn't really that outdoorsy uh, in most of my life. I grew up camping and doing some basic hiking with my family and Girl Scouts and all of that. But um, once I got back, I got really into hiking and I got really more into the outdoors and just uh, local travel. Um, I spent a lot of time in the gorge in Portland, just doing kind of different trails around the same area. And I just being outside just became such a big part of my life and a hobby that especially once I had the time and the freedom to travel in the van and I was unemployed. So I had nothing really limiting me. I didn't have to be anywhere for service. Like we drove 50,000 miles the first year in the van and did, we did all 50 states. We flew to Hawaii, but we, we drove all the way to Alaska. We drove all the way to Florida. We drove all the way to Maine. And it just, I mean, it was life-changing. It's really magical to have control over your own life and your own schedule in that way. And to, um be so connected to like the time of the year the seasons the weather the sunrise sunset like all of that stuff just being able to open my my door every morning and just immediately be outside that was something that I really found um a lot of peace in and um I know we'll kind of talk about this too but uh I've had some mental health struggles for most of my life and I really saw kind of a transition in myself on the road and I uh it just it just became really important to me and now it's gotten to a point that if I'm not in the van I can feel myself kind of regress in a lot of ways emotionally and uh it's just turned out to be the most healthy and like most healthy environment for me especially if I want to be thriving that's that's the biggest thing yeah yeah so let's talk a little bit about I guess some of the the cool experiences you've had of course everyone looks at at van life and sees the glamour of Instagram you know just uh a side note, of course, I'm going to ask you about the not cool experiences next, but tell us about some of those, uh, those Instagrammable moments that, uh, that was, I guess, uh, kind of made it all worthwhile. Yeah, I think um, one of my favorite things to do in the van is find water. Um, usually with water, there's uh, parking around it, camping around it. So uh, that for me is really one of my favorite things that I get to do is I can find a, a lake or a body of water or a river and I can spend time outside by the water. Now that I have a dog, she's super happy. And then I can go just park at night, but like I have everything at my fingertips. So um, that's really, I think like the convenience of being able to experience beautiful places without having to like get a rental car from a hotel and go there. It's like in between hikes at Zion National Park, I can just go to my car and cook a hot lunch on the stove. And then I can go back out an hour later for the next thing. So, I mean, national parks have always been huge at this point. I've done pretty much all the ones that I've wanted to ever see a lot of them, a lot of times. One of my favorite things I recently did is I traveled to uh, Baja, California, Mexico with some friends and we caravaned down there and lived on the beaches in Baja for two months and just explored the entire peninsula. And that was really like, you open your door, you're parked on a beach 10 feet from the water with like a cabana and it's this blue ocean and you make your coffee and it's just, it's just the most, the most fun thing, especially when you get to experience it with friends that are doing the same thing as you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what makes you, I guess, how do you decide where you're going to go next? Is, are you a planner that's got everything planned out from now to next November, or do you just kind of go where the, the road takes you? Um, it's really changed over the years. The first year was really to set out and see as much as I could, as fast as I could, um, knowing it was kind of a limited time or thinking it was a limited time. So that was really planned out. Like 
when I was going to cross a, a state line, I would draw a map on a piece of paper and I would mark the different places and things I wanted to see around it. So I could do the most like efficient loop before heading off to the next place. And that was always like, okay, this many miles, this many hours between this location to the next, here's the campsite close by. And that was really a lot of planning. Over the next few years, it became more fluid. Um, there's a couple companies that do van life gatherings that are like pretty organized and it's like 200 people in the forest or on a ranch and you just do seminars and bonfires and you just connect over like-minded people living the same lifestyle as you. Um, so one summer, maybe three summers ago, one of the companies did a, a countrywide tour where every month they had a gathering in a different state. So I went to all those gatherings and then a group of 20 to 40 of us kind of caravaned in the meantime between the different states. So there have been times like that where it is organized. Um, and then as I've gotten more into solo travel, it really has just been, where do I feel like going today? Do I want to be in the mountains? Do I want to be in California? Like, do I want to go to the beach? And that's been a lot more just flexible based on really like quality campsites or if I love someplace I'll stay longer or if I'm unhappy I just leave really quickly um so there's probably a year or two where I didn't have any plans and then you know the last maybe two years I've been trying to do an international trip per year so um between that and just like big weddings or things that people in my life as we're kind of growing up more I'll be like I have three months to do whatever I want but I know I need to be here at this time now it's, I can definitely feel myself like appreciating my tiny home for it just being a tiny home. I like my space. I like that everything is with me all the time, but I'm not just living in a van anymore to travel and to see things. It's really become um, more just about kind of the simplicity of it as well. So um, I'm definitely not stopping anytime soon, but I think if I do settle down in the future, it would probably still be some sort of small living, um, just maybe more stationary with the van still to be there to kind of provide the the benefits that that has. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. And I want to talk about solo travel here in a minute, because I've done very, um, a minute amount of the, as you have, but I want to talk about that. But be, first, let's get back to that question. What is some, uh, I guess, less, uh, less desirable parts of, of van life? Oh man, I don't even know how to start that. It's, it's really <laughs> taken an adjustment to go from like, wearing a suit and showering every day and getting ready every day and wearing makeup all the time, dressing up to um, showering sometimes once a month. Sometimes the shower just means jumping in a river. Um, I have a solar shower and I had a shower installed on the outside of my previous van, but um, I mostly just use a Planet Fitness membership. Um, if you're a Black Card member, you get access to any of the locations around um, the country. So that is how I get my hot showers. Um, there's also nothing worse than running out of propane when you're in the middle of cooking. That's really rough. I've like splurged on a nice steak before and then ran out of propane in the middle of nowhere when I was in the middle of cooking. Running out of water is really hard. Like, okay, I have dishes in my sink. I can't brush my teeth. I can't wash my hands until my contacts in. I have to drop what I'm doing and go get water right now. So I also upgraded. Um, I, I times three the amount of water I carry with me. And now I carry almost 30 gallons. Um, but I used to only have 10. Um, different seasons. If you're not going to chase seasons, that's definitely something that is harder. Like I've been in moments where there's ice on my windows and I'm wearing a beanie and two sweatshirts and sweatpants and I'm cuddled up in my van. Um, my first van did not have heat in the back. Hmm. So it'd be like 12 degrees in Colorado tonight. You're just going to sleep outside. Um, now I have a, a diesel heater, which is, um, 
or a gas heater, which is tapped to my gas tank. So I actually have a thermostat in my, my van that I can now comfortably set the temperature to, um, and I have better insulation. So there's just a lot of things that once again, if you're, you know, it's going to be lo- really different if you live in a, you know, an older van with a simple build versus a really luxurious, you know, vehicle. Yeah. Another thing you said before, I think in, in something I watched of you, that I think this kind of shows that, you know, you're, you're comfortable uh, with the van is you said when people, you know, you like the bed that you have in the van. So when people offer you, you know, to stay in their house or to have a hotel, you, you said, I don't really want that. I like this. I like this bed. So I feel like some people think about van life and just like, this is what I'm doing to rough it. And, but I feel like you're more comfortable just in your own space and, and being in that van than, than uh, I guess in, in someone's bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I go stay in somebody's house or in a hotel, like I have to pack all of my stuff up. I have to get all my, my toiletries and my, my clothes. And now that I have a dog, there's like food, water, toys, all of this other stuff, leashes. So, um, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm like in my parents' house right now, hanging out with my sister and, and doing some work. But I, I, even when I'm in town to see my family, I still go out and sleep in my van every single night. And mm. I'm more comfortable there. I have everything at my fingertips. And um, my dog is more comfortable. She has her own little area with her bed and her toys and her food. So it really is, um, it's, it's really quite a comfortable van. My last van was too, but really right now in this season, the heat and the toilet has made a huge, huge difference. And um, yeah, I, I, I would choose my van over anything else. <laughs> Let's talk about your, your family and, and how they uh, guess have adapted. You say, you know, that you, you know, Hey, I've got, mm. three, I've got three months and then I've got to come back and go to a wedding or something. Does your family see this as kind of like, you're the, I guess my family would be like, you know, this is the, the free spirited person of the family. And we just see her every once in a while. And, and what, uh, what exactly does your family think of uh, your lifestyle? <laughs> I've definitely kind of always walked by my own, you know, beat of my drum. Um, I'm really similar to my family in a lot of ways, but also really different. And I think especially after I went to Africa by myself, I didn't know anybody. I didn't go with anybody that I knew. And I just completely did that at the age of 23. I think that then they kind of knew that things were shifting. And, you know, by the time that I told my parents, which I, I, I waited till like the day I was buying the van to tell my parents and I told them separately and I tried to just like smooth it into conversation. You know, I think my mom's response was something like, uh, there's nothing you can do anymore. That's going to surprise me. Um, <laughs> and the first year it, it kind of was this joke, like, Oh yeah, this is our millennial daughter. She just doesn't work. And she just travels around in her van. And it's very like, Ooh, like fleeting freedom and, and, you know, whatever. But now I think especially that I've, developed myself into a freelancer. I'm self-employed. I have my own little business. Um, I'm successful. I'm supporting myself completely. And since I've been doing it also for so long, it's really shifted. Like the first van build, they didn't see as much, but the second van build I did mostly at my parents' house in the garage. And so they saw every tiny step of every shipment that came to the door, every time I needed a tool, like my three day, three times a day trips to Home Depot. And also there's been some things like my mom really wanted to try to learn to understand what I was doing once I decided to continue solo. So she and one of her friends actually flew out and spent a week in the van with me mm-hmm. and really got to know hands-on, like, what does it look like to deal with different, like weather, drive constantly? How do you keep yourself warm? What do you do for food? How do you find camping? So that was really like a good insight. And I'm 
I'm really happy that she did that. And I've had a couple of friends do that too, that, um, I mean, it's the best way to learn about something is to actually go out and do it. So they, they're all pretty understanding of it. They're all actually really, I think, respected and like it. And, um, it's hard to not be here all the time. Like I have my first niece who's 18 months old and, um, definitely since she was born, I've been coming home more often throughout the year, but I used to only come home once or twice a year for like a week or two and missing holidays and birthdays and mother's day, all that stuff. It can really take a toll. Um, but that's why usually now every year I try to come home, like I said, around the holidays and spend, you know, a chunk of time reconnecting with everybody because I could feel some of my relationships slipping away by just life and time passing. And I wasn't here. Yeah. Yeah. So I've watched a little bit again of, of you giving tours and in those, those tours, obviously you see just how compact the space is. It is, you know, you do have to be intentional in, in everything you do, every pot that you decide to take with you, every shirt that you decide to, to pack. So name one or two things that maybe, you know, takes up too much room. You know, you don't need it. It's frivolous. You don't need to have this in the van but you continue to, to carry along with you? Well, I would say there's two things. One is I have an oven in my new van, which sounds insane, but it is um, really nice to go from only being able to do pan cooking, um, especially as a person that cooks like almost every single meal from scratch. Um, there's only so much you can do in a pan and there's a lot of stuff you miss out with with not being able to bake the second thing that is definitely luxurious is, I mean, it's all kind of kitchen stuff. I, I have an instant pot in the van. I have a uh, mini rice cooker and I have a Ninja blender, all appliances that are just so, so luxurious. Like no, no, everybody could go without those three things, but I built this van with a big enough electrical system that it can handle those appliances. And it, it is just really nice if I'm going to like be in a rainy car for a day or have a really long day of driving to be able to like make a protein smoothie or actually have like a hot meal or, you know, the instant pot is great because I can cook really good home cooked meals, but in like 15 minutes. So definitely like food focused, I think. Well, I set you up for, for the answer that I wanted and maybe it's changed because it's not the same thing anymore. It used to be you had 10 hot sauces at one point. You still carry a shit oh, ton of hot sauce? 10, yes. <laughs> yeah, apparently yeah. you don't think I that's frivolous. <laughs> I, I, that's true. But also, once again, with food, it's like, I, I'll I like carry hot sauce in my purse and take it somewhere if I know that I'm going to want a specific kind of hot sauce. And, <laughs> and I love, you know, sriracha for one thing, Cholula for another, Valentina for another, Texas peach for another. So, yes, that that's so funny that that's what you remember because it still is true. I just consider that a necessity at this point i use I, it so much i guess so yeah no i thought that was that was funny i like i like my hot sauces too so that stuck out with me let's talk a little bit yeah. about i guess solo versus traveling with with people um just to i guess briefly get out my story i do like to solo travel because just for the same reasons you've mentioned in the past that you you get to do what you want when you want you don't have to you know, sync with anyone else's schedule, you do your own thing, but sometimes it does get a little tough. My story that this podcast has heard a crap ton of times, but I went to Spain by myself back in March of 2020. If you remember March of 2020, that was uh, some things were happening at that time. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. uh, the travel ban happened at that exact time that I was in Spain. 
I was by myself. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm stuck in Europe. I don't know when I'm going to get home. I don't know what's happening. No one knew it was happening. I called the State Department. They were like, I think you'll be able to get back as long as you're a U.S. citizen. So that was a little scary. So that made me realize, hey, this solo travel is cool. But when crap hits the fan, you kind of just want your mom and dad. So it was kind of it was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, there's there's been a few moments like that for me, too, both right. internationally traveling and, you know, in the van. But I don't know. I think I found within myself because I mean, just to give a quick breakdown, I traveled in a van with a partner for a year, traveled alone for a year traveled in a different van with a partner for about a year, year and a half, and then um, back to solo now. So, um, uh, and I've, I've been solo for the entire year of 2021. So what I have found is that when I know that there's going to be somebody there to help me or help take care of me, or I have the ability to panic that I tend to do that more. And I tend to take advantage of that. And I tend to be more of like, I feel like a kid. I want my mom, like I'm, I'm scared or I'm nervous or whatever, but when it's just me, I've really found an inner strength of being like, there's nobody here to pick up the pieces. Nobody's coming to save me. I'm in a like a state completely by myself with nobody nearby. So I have to figure this out. And that's been one of the things I think it's, it's why it's good for me to be in the van is because it's, it's really empowering in that sense to have to know that you have to take care of yourself. You have to learn to trust yourself, rely on yourself. And uh, yeah, I, I tend to be more relaxed and more put together when I'm when I'm by myself just because I know nobody else is going to do it for me no I like that because I think that's kind of counterintuitive people would think it would be the opposite when you're by yourself and something Mm -hmm. goes wrong you're like and that that is what was true even in my situation you know it was scary I thought oh oh no and people's asked me oh my god did you did you cry did you panic I'm like well I didn't I mean kind of but at the same time what the heck was I going to do? I, I wasn't like I could ask somebody mm-hmm. to for help. So no, I, I agree. I, I understand that, that when you have somebody else to bounce your, I don't know, your, your fears off of, it's easier to, to get scared. But when you, you know, when things, things go south and there's no one else to, to tell and no one else to complain to, then you just have to kind of pick it up and do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's always like some safety things that I always think about with like, not being a woman traveling alone, but being a person at all traveling alone. Like I put it in my new van, a pocket door that has a lock. So I have a list of people that follow me on find my friends. So they know where I am at all times. Um, you know, I, I have a little knife that I sleep with next to my bed. So there are things that I, that definitely like I implement when I'm by myself versus when I'm with somebody else. Um, but I mean, that's just kind of the same as like, if you were walking home at night by yourself, you're going to be more cautious and aware and you're going to do things maybe a little bit differently than if you're walking with a crowd. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, the, the mental health aspects of things. Do you think that, that, uh, you know, solo travel has, has maybe helped you with, with your mental health and be able to kind of, I guess, again, with the cheesiness, you know, find yourself or, <laughs> or do you think that it's, I mean, sometimes it makes you get in your own head and, it, and it's not as, as easy. I, I can see probably both ways, you know, being with someone, obviously that creates stress too, but then there's somebody to bounce things off of. So I'm sure there's pluses and minuses in, in both, uh, both ways of travel. Yeah. I, you know, growing up and in college, especially like I was the person that um, I've always struggled with mental health. Like I said, I've been in, in therapy since I was a teenager and I've been um, on a, you know, a pretty set uh, mental health medication routine for the last 10 years. And uh, I was the person that was really reliant on other people. Um, 
not necessarily like for my, like, I didn't expect anybody to take care of me, but I just liked to be surrounded by other people all the time because I was nervous of being by myself and with my own thoughts and having too much time and space to overthink things and be anxious and all of that. So I was really, really nervous when I first got into the van in that sense that like, I wasn't going to be around my community all the time, but um, especially once I was by myself, you know, I was going into the first chapter of solo solo female travel with um, a lot of heartbreak, a lot of trauma. Um, My mental health was really flaring up. Like I was not doing well. Um, And I tried to kind of heal um, in the van and the Oregon area around people that I knew, and it just really wasn't working for me. So I ended up just heading south and chasing places that were beautiful and that felt good to me. And and I I was able to really process a lot of my feelings um, and have it go really well um, during that time. And still, it's it still is like how I kind of work through things is by going out into nature and being by myself. I I've really transitioned from being a very social person um, and I'm still social, but I really appreciate and cherish my alone time and being by yourself in a van, especially before I had a dog, you know, it it was only me sometimes for like months or I would only go into town and see other humans like once every two weeks for propane water and grocery. So um, I just had to learn to be my own friend and to, uh, once again, rely on myself, give myself patience, give myself room to hurt and heal and grow and challenge myself in a lot of new ways. And so, yeah, it, it's really just become kind of my safe haven that it's like my personal mental health is the best when I'm in the van. Um, and that does not go for everybody. That is not like a whole blanket statement that can apply to everybody. But I just know that when I'm, you know, in four walls of a house or a bedroom, I, I, I just don't feel quite as free or connected to the things that are important to me in life. And so the van is really kind of just my, my safe space for that. Um, not just from the actual physical van itself, but also for the outdoor aspect that it provides. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I'm, you said something there. I'm glad you did. Cause I have a question you know, about something you said two years ago. Of course, this is something you said in my ear you know, a couple, couple hours ago. So I wanted to make sure it was <laughs> still the, still the case, but it was cool what you you mentioned that uh, you have to even though you're by yourself, you're spending two weeks by yourself. You still make sure you schedule time to be with yourself and to be your own friend. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I never really thought uh, I never really thought about having a relationship with yourself like most of my life. Um, that just I was always investing in other people and really pulling on strengths of friendships and relying on other people for um, you know to to provide me with certain certain aspects of uh, friendship or community or, um, you know, pulling on strengths that I had with different people in our relationship. But um, I just, I, like I said, I've really grown to value and cherish my own alone time. And for me, that might just be doing something every single day that makes me feel good. Um, you know, as I've gotten, I'm, I'm almost 30 now. And now that looks like a solo ro- routine. So, you know, I try to wake up and go to bed at the same time every day. I set quiet time aside in the morning to be completely by myself in silence and journal. Um, I set aside time to exercise. I walk my dog regularly. And sometimes, you know, I listen to music or a podcast, but I, I've been working more at being okay in silence and just being alone because I think when I've been struggling with mental health for so long, like I said, I was really nervous to be alone with my thoughts. And now that's kind of just something that I work and kind of exercise towards to make sure that it stays um, strong and, and, um, 
you know, present and that I'm, I'm just practicing that because I just have found that I am like, I'm quite a lot of fun. <laughs> I enjoy my own company. And I, I think that learning to do things like go to a lake on a busy day when there's a bunch of other people and be okay with like taking some wine and a book and a float and just being there by myself, like not being afraid to go to the movies by myself or have a campfire by myself or go to dinner by myself. Just being your own friend gives you a lot of strength and empowerment and, and just freedom to do the things that you want to do and not feel like you're on, you know, somebody else's timeline, kind of like you said, with traveling with somebody else. Yeah. You, let's talk, I guess, kind of, obviously you can have the best mental health regimen possible. You can be, you know, making sure that you're taking time for yourself. You can, you can do all of these things, right. And then external factors sometimes just mess that all up. And let's talk a little bit about, I guess, dealing with, with that and dealing with, with trauma that happens. Mm. Yeah. I mean, personally, I think I've, I've really worked hard to understand what my mental health looks like and means and what that, that is for me. And um, I've really learned through a lot of therapy and a lot of years of struggling and people weren't really talking about mental health when I was younger and experiencing things and I didn't really have the words to communicate how I was feeling or what I was feeling. Um, so there's a couple things is like I've I've really worked hard to understand, like I said, my mental health. And I know that mine is a chemical imbalance. It's not, it's not circumstantial. It's not even necessarily seasonal. It's really something that, um, you know, people in my family also struggle with it, especially the women in my family. So learning to understand really what my own personal mental health looks like, but also what are my triggers? What are my coping mechanisms? That's really been my biggest strength in it. I think is um, doing therapy that really was focused towards like, okay, let's stop trying to just heal you and let's just talk about how you can cope with the feelings that you experience when you feel when you feel them so i i know now i can feel when something's coming on like i just i just kind of am on the up climb right now of a little depressive episode and it's one of the reasons i put that routine back in place is because i know i can i i know when i can see that coming and i know what i need to do to help me feel good and that doesn't always work. Sometimes I don't have the um, capacity emotionally or physically or anything to take care of myself in that way. And sometimes it does get bad, but just really learning how, how can I live my best life and be okay with the things that I'm experiencing? Um, I think that that's just been really important to me. And, and also just dropping some of the stigma, like, you know, my doctor back in 20. 10 or whatever used to say, oh, medication's only going to be temporary for you. And there was the times where I would stop taking it and I would just get right back on it. And I'm not saying I'm going to be on it for my whole life, but like being okay with that, if that is what happens, I think allowing myself to just accept it and stop seeing it as this like, you know, downfall or this like negative thing that controls my life. Um, I mean, it's a part of me and it's part of who I am and it's, um, that's okay with me, you know, and just, yeah. It's just, it, it is what it is. All I can do is, is uh, do the best I can with the cards I've been dealt. I like that. I don't think that there should be a stigma behind it. It's not something to, to get better from. It's something that, that really kind of defines who people are. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I've, I've worked hard to um, be as open and honest about that. Like I remember there was years where like my roommates, my best friends, my siblings, nobody knew I was in therapy or on any mental health medication. And now like I talk about it online to, you know, thousands of people and, and I have really vulnerable and open conversations with people 
talk about it on podcasts, like write about it on Instagram, write about it on my website. Like I've worked with meditation apps and, and a lot of things that focus around mental health because it just is really important. And we're at a time where people are really starting to um, be more open with it and really work against that stigma, work at breaking it down and like resources are, are growing. And, um, you know, like we're in a day and age where I do, I have had the same therapist for almost two years and I get to do virtual therapy with somebody I trust online every single week, no matter where I am. You know, I, I'm able to, you know, with the help of my mom, um, fill prescriptions and she's able to ship me medication to wherever I am in the country. Like it's, it's really, it's come a long way. And I know that there's still so much work to be done, but I just, uh, whatever I can do to kind of help continue that process is, is really important to me. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you, you're, you're used to, I guess, being alone in, in those isolation times. So I don't even know whether how COVID really affected you, but that is a huge thing when it comes to mental health. I don't really think that, yeah. you know, given that you're, you're kind of used to the isolation part, it probably was no difference, you know? So how did, how did COVID affect both van life and how did it affect, I guess, mental health as a whole? Those are two very different things, but <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Um, Man life and mental. You know, I got uh, really lucky in the timing and how I chose to handle the beginning of COVID. I, um, like most people, I had my work hours cut. Um, I was dating and living with somebody in a van at the time who was a server, so we were kind of hubbing around one little area. His restaurant shut down, so for you know, when it first, the first, you know, two week quarantine or whatever, I was like, okay, at this point in my life, all of my best friends, most of my closest people in my life live in vans and travel full time. So a lot of us were not that far from each other. So we just said, okay, if we're going to have to hunker down and sit down somewhere, let's just go into the middle of the desert and do it together. We haven't seen each other. We haven't spent any time together. It's two weeks. Most of us have our work cut anyways. If we leave right now today, we can get there in five hours and then we can sit still. We won't be spreading anything for some people like my friend that uh I, I, it sounds like you listen to a podcast with her she wasn't going to drive all the way back to indiana that's more harmful than driving to some place that she could hunker down right for a chunk of time so um a few friends of I, and i with our vans and all of our dogs got together in the southern california desert and what was supposed to be a week or two turned into almost four months <laughs> as most people know um I think at first we got a lot of pushback about that. There was a lot of flack on the van life community and in how are you guys still traveling full time? Why don't you go to your home? Like, and I think a lot of people just don't realize, like, I don't, I didn't have an apartment. Like I had a brand new niece and an elderly grandma here. Like I had been traveling the country. I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to drive multiple states, you know, and just, I just, I, I was going to be more at risk and putting other people at risk by moving than just sitting where I was. So what we did is, you know, we, at first it was like the whole thing, like gloves, masks, Clorox wipes. Like we would send like one person in to go get everything we needed. It was like, you get toilet paper, you get propane, you get water. And then we come back together so that we weren't all going to the same places, touching more things than needed. Um, and there were times where we would just sit in the desert for, you know, two weeks before we'd even ever go back in for a refill on anything, sometimes three weeks. And um, what ended up happening, and I think there was some guilt at the beginning of, of, well, you guys are just playing and having fun. But like, I realized that when comparing and kind of talking, maybe not comparing, that's a negative word, but I was really social distancing more than most of the people that I knew 
that had like their bubble, you know, because they're still driving around. Some people are still going to work, grocery stores, all of that stuff. So um, I just got really lucky that I was with a group of people that took COVID really seriously and, and really thought through what was going to be best for us. And I mean, we had a kiddie pool on the top of a bus and we got a basketball hoop from Walmart at one point and had a little court. Um, there was 15 dogs with us during quarantine and we just did group meals together and uh, went around, you know, had campfires at night every night. And uh, we got really lucky and it was really a bonding time for us to, to be able to um, grow a lot of our relationships rather than be isolated somewhere in an apartment by ourselves. So I know that that's not the average story, but um, it was really, it was honestly one of my favorite times in the last five years that I've ever lived in a van. And yeah, no, it sounds like it sounds Sounds cool to me. Yeah, for sure. I think everyone's going to wonder, you kind of alluded to, you know, being a, a self-employed person, a, a freelancer, but everyone's going to think, well, that mm-hmm. sounds cool, but that's not something I can do. So tell us just a little bit about kind of what, what you do for, uh, for work. I think I finally have like found my words in the last year, but I do digital marketing and freelance writing. So I, I have my own social media and my own website that I monetize. Like I said, my website has really grown more into uh, a resource thing. So I have like a van life shop um, that I get affiliate money from. I do brand partnerships and sponsored content on social media as well for myself. So that's a, a little bit of my income. And then I take on short-term and long-term clients for contracted work, essentially. So what that can look like is maybe, maybe I get paid by a company to do sponsored blog content on my website for three months. Or maybe I run a business with social media for a certain amount of time or for a long time. So, um, but right now I'm holding um, two, potentially three now long-term clients. One I've been working with since the very beginning, all five years, um, helping out with social media content, online content, blogs, newsletters, all of that stuff. And that's for female travel company, which has also allowed me to be able to travel internationally each year as well. And then I was a editor in chief for a van life culture magazine, um, doing just van life content, writing, handling online content, websites, social media, all of that stuff. It's really just kind of like around the online world of, I mean, it's a lot of social media, a lot of writing, um, a lot of photos. Yeah, that's awesome for sure. So tell us, uh, I guess you, you, you mentioned that maybe eventually you aren't going to travel as much, but you always want to kind of have that that tiny home mentality, but what, uh, what do you hope that the future holds? If you can, uh, I guess, say it today, obviously we know the future, we never know exactly, but what's, what's the, what's the goal? Yeah. I mean, I think up until like maybe six months ago, I would have said, I'm going to do this and I have absolutely no end thoughts. And I still don't, I still, like I said, think I'll be in the van for at least a few more years full time. And then maybe part-time, I'm not sure, but I think eventually the goal would be to buy a property, you know, a chunk of property and uh, maybe just live on in my van on it for a while or come and go as I please, save up more money, probably build like a tiny home. Um, But like I said, I I don't ever see myself going to a stationary job, working in an office, having a set schedule. So I still want to be like, oh, it's great weather in Montana. I'm going to go to Glacier National Park for three weeks. Like I like my freedom and I like to be able to do that. And uh, Still pursuing it, at least trying to do one international trip per year um, is really important to me too. So, you know, especially now with a dog too, having a, a place to be able to leave my van if I need to go do something for a while or yeah. Yeah. I think that 
that's really the only thing that I could even see myself leaning towards. It's really impossible for me to think about like buying a house or living in an apartment. I, I think I would go, go nuts pretty fast. Yeah. Well, tell us how we can uh, connect with you. You've, you've mentioned a few times uh, some of your, some of your uh, touch points there. I kind of intentionally didn't ask you a ton of questions about like how to, how to be, be get a part of the van life or how to do builds and all this kind of stuff, because mm-hmm. I know you do have those resources. So if people are interested in that or just following along, you know, from, from their, uh, from their apartment you know, on what you're doing, uh, yeah. how can they connect with you? Yes. So everything online is under, so we bought a van, S O W E B O U G H T A V A N. Um, it's, so we bought a van on Instagram. So we bought a van on Facebook. Um, so we bought a van.com is my website that has every blog post I've ever written, every podcast interview, van tour video I've done, details out what I've used in both my DIY builds, links to YouTube videos. Um, the channel is also So We Bought a Van on YouTube. There's about five five videos in there. And uh, maybe one day I'll get around to doing more. I, I have a lot of the film, but um, yeah, everything is just So We Bought a Van. And um, I'm working at being better at DM. So if anybody ever has questions or wants to chat, um, send me a DM. I also have a, like a questions and like let's touch base form on my website that will send me an email. And then, um, we can kind of email from there. I have a lot of people reach out about general questions or if they're doing their own build and they have a, a question and they want a piece of advice. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm super into meeting people and chatting with people. Um, so please don't hesitate to get in touch or just follow along. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. So that was Katie Larson. Hope you enjoyed that one. I certainly learned a lot just about the the world of, of van travel, the world of, you know, just being independent enough just to say, hey, I don't have anywhere to be for three months and I'm going to go and uh, you know, take on take on the world. And, and sometimes she's done that completely alone. Uh, it, it was just a, a really interesting conversation to learn about vans and building vans and you know, the life that she's lived these last five years, uh, really impactful conversation to learn about, you know, the mental health side of things and how what she's done now is, is really helpful to her. Just like she said, everyone's different. What works for her obviously is not necessarily going to work for everyone, but, uh, I really, really appreciated her, uh, candor there in talking about that. I'm, I'm happy that, uh, she's willing to do that because, As we know, and as she talked about, there is a stigma there that should not be there. I think uh, mental health is an important thing to talk about. So I appreciate her her conversation there. I appreciate her deciding to join me, obviously, as a a van traveler and and someone who, uh, you know, stays on public land. There's not always Wi-Fi, so I'm glad that we were able to, to catch her at some time when she's uh, at home and, and able to uh, to conversate with me. Um, do check her out on So We Bought a Van. That's on Instagram, everywhere else, uh, her, her website, all that good stuff. Check her out. Give her the love there. Uh, do check us out, too, for your first time listening. Uh, follow us on Instagram as well. Not Enough Podcast is the handle, jacksonup.com. Go leave us a review. Always appreciate that. Five-star review and uh, and uh, you know those, those comments. Uh, I, I definitely always like to see that. Um, but uh, thanks for being here, and uh, take it away, Chris. 
This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think, or hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.